Hey, I'm Pastor Paul Watson, and you're listening to the official podcast of the Downtown Vineyard Church. At DTV Church, we're followers of Jesus, and we believe that relationships are holy and that God loves everyone. We are so excited that you're a part of our online community of faith, and from wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message this week. You guys doing all right? Good, 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 good. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Okay, last year, last year I uh, made a prediction on the Super Bowl, and I, I nailed it. So here's my prediction this year. Uh, 35-37 KC. That's, that's my prediction. 35-37 KC. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, no? Yeah, no? No? Yeah, that was a lot of no's. That was a lot of no's. And just so you're wondering, I've already, I've already got a lot of flack off my jersey. I just want you to be able to know who I am so you can decide if you're going to stay. Just... <laughs> You just need to know. You just need to know who, who leads you. If you're here and you're online, we're really super glad you're here and online. Every year I like to, around this time, I like to do a little Super Bowl trivia. So put your phones away. No cheating. Put your phones away. Everybody got their phones. You get put your phones away, right? Okay. So we're, we're playing for t-shirts this morning. I've got five, five t-shirts from our bookstore. Um, uh, you will just pick one and then you can go trade it in for the right size, right? So I, I know that I'm giving out t-shirts. They may not be the right size. Here's the very first one. And all you got to do is just raise your hand if you got the answer. Um, this team has played in the Super Bowl four times and has never led. Boom. Who was it? Minnesota Vikings. You got it, Dave. Here you go, buddy. Here you go. Uh, that's because he's a Minnesota Vikings fan, so he knows that. So he knows that. So the Super Bowl for him has been nothing but heartbreak and, and just long, just long years of pain and agony, agony, agony. So I can say that because the Cowboys have like for 23 years have never gone past the first round. All right. All right. That's because we're led by a deceivious, horrible man. Um, so anyway, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. Okay. What team, what teams have, and all you got to do is get, let's say, I'm going to go with two, all right? What teams have never, ever appeared in a Super Bowl? The Browns are one of them. Who else? You got one more chance. Don't, don't give it to him. Don't give it to him. Make him work for it. The Browns? Uh, Browns? Uh, we got, wait, wait a second. We got Browns and, and huh? Uh, the Browns. And, no? Mm-mm. Jaguars. Who said Browns and Jaguars? Browns and Jaguars. Come here. Uh, Browns, Jaguars, Lions, Houston Texans. Any one of those would have got it. You probably, Chris, probably had that back there. All right, here we go. Uh, ladies, this is for you. Ladies, this is for you. What famous jewelry company makes the Super Bowl trophy? Yes, who said that? Whoa, Tiffany's. Tiffany's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. Tiffany's. All the men are like, okay. There are only two, two quarterbacks in Super Bowl history who have won Super Bowls with two different teams. Tom Brady? Okay, somebody said Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Who was the first to say that? I can't see. Anybody? Anybody? Come on. Come get it. Come get it. Come get it. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Great. Okay. Now, here's, here is, this one's going to make you think. This one's going to make you think. 
Okay. Who has, who has performed the most Super Bowl halftime shows? Who has performed? We have Beyonce, no. Madonna, no. Janet Jackson, no. Rihanna, come on, we got to go back. If, you probably need to be over 40 to answer this question. All right. You too, no, that's good. All right, you guys ready? You ready for the answer? Up with people. And some of, some of you are going, up with who? Up with who? In the 1960s and 70s, there was a dance troupe called Up With People. And they were, they were motivational, and they were made up of teenagers, and they have performed in five Super Bowl halftime shows. Super fascinating. All right. Here's where we're going this morning. We're going to work it a little bit hard this morning. Um, today is the beginning, even though I started it last week. Today is the beginning of 10 weeks where we're going to do a series called The Journey. Our, our goal for this series is this. Our goal for this series is that when people make moves towards Jesus, there's a space, there's a space in a person's spiritual life where you begin to make steps towards Jesus. And while a person's move towards Jesus may be super dramatic and it may be like really big in the moment, what is really true about people's spiritual journeys, it starts by Jesus asking you to do little things and it leads to this moment where God asks you to do big things. And the journey with Jesus is no different. That when we look at the life of Jesus, the journey with Jesus starts, starts pretty simple. Starts in Matthew chapter uh, 7. We're going to be over there in just a second. But it starts, they can just start with small things. And so we're going to, my hope for our church is that over the next 40 days that you and I would contemplate our relationship with Jesus in a way that maybe we never have before. And that when you get to Easter, when we all get to Easter, that there would be this celebration that you don't just celebrate Jesus' resurrection, but you also are celebrating your death and your resurrection in Christ. Because did you know that for every believe there has to be a death and there has to be a resurrection? There has to be a laying down of who you've been and a rising up of a new person in whom Christ has made you to be. That's true for every believer. That's true for every person who chooses to follow Jesus. And so for the next 40 days, we're going to ask this question. What is the Lord asking you to lay down? And what is the Lord asking you to pick up? Both are true. Both are going on right now. That if you were to seek the Lord right now, if you were to say, Lord, what would you want me to lay down? The Lord would tell you. It would be different for each of us. But the Lord would, would say, hey, this is getting in the way of our relationship. And the Lord would say, lay that down. And when the Lord asks you to lay something down, it's because it is keeping you from being the person that God is calling you to be. Right? And then the Lord's going to ask you to pick something up. You'd say, Lord, what would, 
What would I pick up? So if you ask him, Lord, what would I lay down over the next 40 days? It might be something really simple. It might be social media. It might be too much Diet Coke. It, it, no, I know Jesus would never ask that. Um, but he might. He might. It might be alcohol. It might be anger. It might be something pretty significant that's making a mess in your life. And then there would be this other space, and you'd say, Lord, what would you ask me to pick up? What would, what would you be asking me to pick up over the next 40 days? And over the next 40 days, I would, I would almost guarantee that the Lord would be asking you, the Lord would be calling you and I into spiritual practices. Hey, I want you to put me first. I want to see you spending more time in the Word. I want to see you being kind to the poor. I want to see you. I want to see you expressing yourself in the way that I would express myself through you. Spiritual practices. And so we're going to talk about this journey. You're going to hear me use the word journey a lot. And it's interesting because journeys all start somewhere. This year, my wife and I, we have committed that we are going to hike more. We're going to be hikers this year. I've never been a hiker. Like, like uh, I, I like riding bikes uphill. I don't like climbing mountains uphill. But we're going to try. We're going to try. And here's the interesting part about journeys. When you start a journey, did you know that when you start a journey, there's always a starting point? You get to, a, you get to some trailhead, and there's always a little tiny sign, and it, it just kind of says, this is where you're starting. You enter the trailhead, and it says, this is where you're starting, and you begin the journey. The journey always has a starting place. If you were to book an airline ticket someplace, and you guys were going to go on a journey, you were going to go on vacation, you go on to, um, uh, I don't know, uh, kayak.com or, or something like that, and it always asks you, where are you coming from and where are you going to? Okay, we're on a journey. This is a 10-week journey that I'm asking you to take with me. And the journey has to have this question, where are you starting at today? Today, as I begin this talk, if you were to do a real spiritual assessment, where are you at? Where are you at? And it doesn't have to be, the Lord's not asking you to get to a specific trailhead. The Lord's not asking you to get to, the, to a place. But the Lord is literally just pauses in that if you were to ask, Lord, I just want to be honest about where I'm at, that the Lord would say, okay, this is where we're starting from. And, and the beautiful, wonderful thing about God is God doesn't ask you to come in and start where he's at. He always meets you where you're at. And so where's your trailhead? Where are you at? Are you full of faith? Have you given your life to Jesus a long time ago, and you're just going to re-up during the next 10 weeks, and you're just going to go all in? Or maybe you're walking through the doors, and you're like, I don't really know. I'm actually pretty skeptical of God. I'm actually really skeptical of church. Church people can be mean. And I've got a lot of baggage when it comes to the history of the church. And if we're really honest, the church has a lot of baggage when it comes to the history of the church. And so there's this space that you get to say, this is where I'm at. You know what's interesting? That when Jesus starts his journey, when we're going we're to read about Jesus as the start of his journey, that when Jesus starts his journey, you know what? People were really skeptical of the church at that point in time. People were really unsure about the religious environment of that point in time. And so 
We're going to start with the journey of Jesus. I said Matthew 7. I was completely wrong because I am that way oftentimes. I might be today. But Matthew um, 3. Matthew 3. It's Jesus, and it's, it's Jesus. He's, he's coming to this moment. John the Baptist, get this image, get this image. John the Baptist is baptizing people. Now, there's something fascinating about baptism when you read about baptism through Scripture. The first thing that you need to know is baptism wasn't a new Christian thing. It wasn't like John the Baptist shows up and he starts baptizing people and people go, whoa, that's never happened before. Like, almost every culture had a form of baptism and it was kind of a way of that culture or that religion of saying that you're declaring your loyalty to this particular group. Usually it was towards an army, that you would join an army and that when you joined the army that they would baptize you and that you were a part of their army. And so this wasn't a foreign concept to people in the first century. What was foreign about this particular baptism, especially if you were a Jew, Jews didn't feel like they had to be baptized. Because if you were born Jew, you were Jew. And if you wanted to be Jew, you needed to be baptized. Because it was us versus you. And you wanted to be a part of us, but we didn't want to be a part of you. And John the Baptist is the first person that he begins to baptize. And he says, I'm baptizing in the name of God. I'm baptizing you into the kingdom of God. And it doesn't matter if you've ever been baptized before because everything comes second to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God comes first. And guess what? Not just do foreigners, do Greeks, do Romans need to be baptized, but John stands in the water and he calls Jews to be baptized. And this is highly offensive to the Jews. This is, this is very, very, very systematic um, a religiosity group of people, and they can't, the, the Pharisees can't believe that he's calling Jews to be baptized because, in a sense, he's calling Jews out. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And John knows who Jesus is. Others are discovering who Jesus is. And Jesus says, I want to be baptized. And it's this moment of awe. If you were Catholic, I, if you were raised Catholic, we're going to have a baptism April, uh, April 16th. It's going to be super powerful. But it would be the equivalent of the Pope walking into a baptismal service and saying, I'm unworthy and I need to be baptized. It would blow people away. They would go, no, no, if anybody in the room doesn't need to be baptized, it's you. And so Jesus shows up in this moment and says, I need to be baptized. Let's read the story. Matthew chapter 3. He says, then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. Of course he did. He says, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. I'm, we're going to pick up on that line right there in just a few minutes, so pay attention to that line. So John agreed to be baptized. John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens opened up and he saw the Spirit of God descending 
like a dove, and it settled on him. Pause for a second. One of my goals for our church is that we would come in contact with the presence of God. That's, that's my greatest goal for you. That's my greatest desire for you, is that you would experience the Spirit of God in such a way that it would change your life. That you would experience the presence of God in such a way that it didn't just change your life, but it was actually recognizable to others around you. And what you're seeing in this passage is you're seeing Jesus be faithful to what God's calling him to. And when he is, the Spirit of God shows up in such a way that it descends upon him like a dove. And it's not just present on him, but it is visible to everyone who's around him. Now, have you ever been in a place where you've watched the Spirit of God settle on somebody, and you're like, God's doing a work, man? Have you ever seen that? My hope is that you have. My hope is that you have, and you, you watch, and you're just like, God's doing a work. God's doing a work right here in our presence. God's doing a work. And that was what was happening in the water. And it says, and at that moment, a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. And at that moment, a voice from heaven, an audible voice from heaven that everybody can hear, says, this is my son. Woohoo! Hey, guys, that's my son. That's my boy. And I dearly love him. And they see the presence of God on him, and they hear the voice of God around them. You see, the Jordan River, I want to show you a picture of the Jordan River. I think we have a slide up here. The Jordan River is the most prolific river in all of Israel. It starts at the very top and it goes almost to the very bottom. It starts above the Sea of Galilee and it goes down to the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is the lowest point on earth. So it starts at a really high point. And back in the first century, it was a raging river. It's now currently a trickle. And it's a trickle not because they've taken so much water out of it for dams and for cities and for communities. But it starts at this really high point, And then it goes all the way through the middle of Israel. And then it ends at the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee has no output because it's the lowest place on planet Earth. And it sits 1,200 feet below the ocean. Dead Sea, yes, Dead Sea, thank you. Sea of Galilee, full of life. Dead Sea, 1,200 feet before Below sea level. And so there's this moment that we see in this, in this place. And so the very first thing that we see is we see this. We see that Jesus' ministry starts with surrender. It starts with surrender. And that's, where, that's what we talked about last week. Is that, that ministry or that your relationship with Jesus, it has to have a starting point. And the starting point has to be, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender to you. I give my life to you. I surrender to you. And as, as this passage takes place, you see Jesus, and he says, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. I love that passage. Because when we think about Jesus, you know what we think about? Most of us think about miracles. Most of us think about healings. Most of us think about things he taught. Most of us think about the, the death and resurrection that we're working ourselves to when we think about Jesus. But before all of those things happen, before Jesus healed anybody, before Jesus taught anybody, before Jesus laid down his life for all of us, 
Jesus started by surrendering his life to God through baptism. You see, before God calls you and I to big things, God always calls us to small things. Do you know that, right? Before God will call you to big things, he always calls you to small things. And the biggest thing that you can do in your life is actually one of the smallest things that you can do in your life. And that is surrender. The biggest thing that you and I can do in our lives is that we surrender our lives, we surrender our hearts, we surrender ourselves to the Lord. Before Jesus was able to surrender to the cross, he had to surrender to baptism. Before he surrendered to baptism, he had to surrender himself into a lowly position on earth. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling on to. Though he was God, he did not think that equality was, with God was something to cling on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took a humble position of a slave and was born as a human. And when he appeared in human form, he even humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on the cross. You see, surrender is the one thing that God asks of each one of us. It's the one thing. It's the one thing that, that in your life, not just, not just when you give your life to Jesus, that you give your life to Jesus and then you have a whole life of the Lord asking you to surrender more. Right? All right, let, let's just do it a little thing. How many of you have given your life to Jesus in the past five, five ten years? It's fairly new for you. It's kind of a new thing going on. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. You will find for yourself that when you gave your life to Jesus, the Lord asked you to lay some things down. He asked you to surrender. How many of you guys have given your life to Jesus 20 years ago? Somewhere 20 years ago. Okay. All right. And my guess for you, because I know it's true for me, is that over the course of your 20 plus years of following Jesus, that the Lord just keeps asking you to surrender. Right? We just keep surrendering. We just keep saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. There's an old hymn. It was written by a guy named Justin DeVinter. Uh, somewhere between 1855 and 1896. You might be familiar with it. You might not. Because it's pretty old. It's older than up with people. <laughs> and it says these words. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence I will daily live. And then it just, then it just says over and over, I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. What's the Lord asking you to surrender? You see, the second piece is this is that until you surrender, your faith journey can't begin. It starts with surrender, and then it moves to faith. It's a fascinating thing that when you give your life to Jesus, you surrender your life, and you say, Lord, I will give you my life. And then what he asks of you after you surrender is he says, now will you give me your faith? Isn't that a fascinating thing? 
that what we exchange in surrender is we have to live and walk in faith. There's a passage in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 15. It's the story of a man called Naaman. The, the reason the passage is so interesting is because Naaman was actually an enemy of God. He, he wasn't a follower of God. He, he, was, he was actually an enemy of God. And he had come through. He was an army leader. He was a very powerful man. And he, he led his army and they captured all of these Israelites. And then he took a bunch of those Israelites as slaves, and one of his Israelite um, slaves noticed that he had leprosy. And as he was complaining about his leprosy, the little Israelite girl, she looked at him and she said, you know that my God can heal you. Now it's funny that you can have positions of power and still struggle with life. Like, having positions of power doesn't mean your life is easy. Having positions of power doesn't mean your health is guaranteed. And so he was in a position of power, but he had no power over his health. And he finally submitted to the little girl and said, how can your God heal me? And he said, if I was you, I would go find the prophet. And I would go find the prophet Elisha because Elisha could heal you. And so he begins to seek this prophet in Israel called Elisha. And he finally finds this prophet in Elisha. And Elisha doesn't even come out of his tent. And he just says, tell the man to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Now here's why this river is so important to Israel. Because when we look over the history of Israel, the Jordan River has all these moments where all of a sudden it was so important to their faith because God used it in their life over and over and over and over again. And Naaman, he says, you want me to dip in the Jordan River? Because the Jordan River was a dirty river. He says, why don't I go back to my land and pick one of my crystal rivers and I'll dip in that river. And, and, and Elisha says, no, dip in the river seven times. And his his entourage comes around and says hey just do what he says and he finds himself and he finds himself dipping in the Jordan River and he goes down six times and he comes up and nothing has changed and he finally he's like I'm getting out of this river and they say just go down one more time isn't it interesting how many times we give up on God just because just before he comes through and it's not just Naaman we all do that we all struggle with our faith. We all think that God should come through in a certain way. We all think that God should come through in a certain timing. We all think that God should come through in the manner that makes sense to us. Naaman was no different. He was on a journey of faith. And so he went down on the seventh time. And when he came up, he was completely healed of leprosy. And he says these words. Now I know that there is no God in all the world except the God of Israel. You see, the journey of faith is a faith journey because it requires you to trust in God in such a way that when God shows up, you can't explain it any other way except for it was God. And when you come to that moment in your journey, there is no looking back. There is no pretending like, I think I'm just going to go on and act like God doesn't exist. You see, my hope for us over the next 10 weeks is that God would move in your life in such a way that you would surrender to him and that you would trust him in faith 
and that that faith would lead you to conclude there is no God except for the God of Israel. There is no God. So the first question I asked was, what is the Lord asking you to surrender? Let me ask you another question. During this next 40 days, what do you need faith for? What are you praying to God for? That if God came through in that way, you would be able to say, now I know. Now I know. There is no God except for the God of Israel. There is no God before him. There is no God after him. There is no God other than him. What do you need faith for? What is going on in your life that is keeping you from living a life of faith? You see, here's the third thing that I think happens is this. I think that this journey with Jesus is also a journey of deliverance. It's a journey of deliverance. That when you read scripture and you read this passage of Jesus, if you go all the way back to the Old Testament accounts of what God was doing with Israel, what, what Israel was able to say over and over and over in scripture, what you get is this picture that when you start clear back to um, Exodus chapter 1, is you get this account and Israel saw God as the God who delivers. Did you know that that's one of his names? The God who delivers us. You see, this journey of faith actually isn't just a journey of surrender. It's not just a journey of faith. It's also a journey of deliverance. God delivered the children of Israel from slavery and captivity. God delivered Israel and gave them a promised land. God delivered Israel from a, a giant named Goliath and the Philistine army. God delivered Noah and Abraham and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and David. And God delivered Jesus. And there's this space that God holds in our faith journey. And it's a journey of deliverance. This week, this, in two weeks, I, I'm sidebarring here for just a second. In, in two weeks, I, I get the great privilege of doing a friend of mine's funeral, my buddy from high school. And I'm kind of nervous about that moment. Because I'm, I'll stand before a bunch of my friends from high school. I just need you to know that the man I am today was not the kid I was then. Those were different people. But you know what I'm so thankful for? Is I'm so thankful that God delivered me from that life of sin. I'm so grateful that God delivered me from poor choices and broken habits and adversity that I'd caused in my own life. And God literally said, hey, Watson, walk this way. Come this way. But here's what I know, is that God has done that for you. And if, if, you ha if you're not there yet, then I know that God wants to do that for you. Because that's one of his names, that's one of his personality traits, that he's the God who delivers. 
In Joshua chapter 1, verses 2 through 8, super fascinating passage. If you've ever had to take over somebody else's leadership, you find this guy by the name of Joshua, and he takes over the leadership from Moses. I don't know about you, but that's, that's a big role to fill. Moses dies, and Joshua becomes the leader. And Joshua starts his leadership journey in prayer. That's where he starts his leadership journey. You find the story of Joshua chapter 1. You find Joshua praying. Of all things, of all the leadership moments that he could have, he could be out there going, okay, everybody, get your tents going, let's go. He could be out there, he could have gathered all of his big leaders and said, hey, Joshua's dead. Okay, I'm the new leader now. But that's not where you find him. You find Joshua in a tent praying to the Lord. It says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people of Israel across the Jordan River into a land I'm going to give them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness to the south of Lebanon mountains in the north. From the Euphrates River to the east of the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one's going to be able to stand up against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses, and I will not fail or abandon you. Now, I love these words. These are maybe some of my favorite leadership words in the Bible. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land I swore to their ancestors i would give them be strong and very courageous be careful to obey all of my instructions that i gave moses do not deviate from them turning to either the right or the left then you will be successful in everything you do study this book of instructions continually meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it and he says these words catch this so this has all been inspirational. This has all been inspirational. The Lord is speaking to Moses, or to Joshua. The Lord is speaking to Joshua. And he's saying, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong. I'm with you. And then he says these words. Only then will you succeed in everything you do. There's this moment. So many people want to succeed. They just don't want to succeed depending upon God. So many people want to succeed. They just don't want to succeed surrendering their life to Jesus. So many people want to succeed, but they want to succeed outside of the Lord, outside of the ways the Lord says you succeed. Here's how you succeed. You surrender yourself to the Lord. You walk in faith, strong and courageous. You walk in faith. You meditate on God's word every day, day and night, day and night, day and night. I've hidden your word in my heart, so I will not sin against you, O Lord. And then you will prosper in everything you do. Deliverance starts by surrender. Deliverance starts by faith. It's a journey. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let me give you the fourth one. When you surrender your life to Jesus, when you surrender your life in faith, 
when the Lord has delivered you from the person that you were to the person he's called you to be. The reason the journey with Jesus is so important is because he gives you an identity. The journey with Jesus is a journey of identity. Joyce Meyer says, the more we focus on who we are in Christ, the less it matters who we were before Christ. The more we focus on who we are in Christ, the less it matters who we were in the past. Back to Matthew 3, 16 and 17. After his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were opened and saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and setting on him. And a voice said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me joy. It's in surrender that God gives you identity. It's in surrender that you find who you are. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back out. In just moments, I'm going to ask our, worship, our ministry team to come forward. There's a passage in John 10.10 10, that says that, I, that the thief comes to kill, still and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have life to the full, or I have come that you might have a rich, satisfying life. As our worship team leads us in worship, can I ask you some questions? As you reflect on this spiritual journey, as you reflect on what God's calling you to, that what you're going to lay down over the next 40 days and what the Lord's asking you to pick up, as we start with this starting point in mind, that we're beginning a journey over the next 10 weeks. How's the Lord speaking to you right now? Right now, what's the Lord speaking to you? What's the Lord speaking to you? How's God inviting you to respond? Right now, how's God inviting you to respond? Do you have anything you need to lay down? Do you have anything you need to surrender? Do you have anything that you need to just walk out in faith and just go, okay, God, I don't see it, but I trust it. Okay, Lord, I don't know how you're going to fix this. I don't know how this thing's going to work out. I have no idea how you're going to do it. But I trust you can't. What do you need to give the Lord? What faith steps do you need? And then what practice do you need to pick up this week? What spiritual practice do you just need to come back to and say, Lord, I commit my life back to you. I commit back to you. Would you let me stand with you? Would you stand with me for just a moment? Could I get my ministry team, those of you that are on the ministry team this morning, could I get you to come down front? We're going to go into some worship here in just a second. And instead of me asking you to come to me this morning, I'm going to say we're going to come to you. If you would like prayer as we go into worship, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand. Get a, raise it kind of high so we can see. Anybody need prayer? Well, we're being shy today. Yeah, because we're all good. Right back there. Right up again. Yep, right back. Yeah, life's perfect, right? Okay, we got right here over here. Right over here. Chris, could I just have you step over? Right there. All right. 
Right here? Right here? Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. Right there. Thank you. Okay. Right back over here. If you see a hand, if you see a hand and we don't have ministry people with them, would you just step over and just say, hey, I'll pray for you? Right there. Thank you. Thank you, Linnea. Thank you. Right there. Anybody else? Okay. We're going to worship for a few minutes. I might come back on if I really sense the Lord's doing something. So let's, let's worship. close this with uh, prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? And here's what I'm going to declare. Whether you've been on the journey your whole life or whether you're willing to start with me today. I'm going to pray this prayer and this prayer is a declaration that we today are surrendering our life to Jesus in faith. And that we trust in his deliverance. And that as the Holy Spirit fills our life, that we would experience his identity. So if this is your first time, if, 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 you, if it's been a long time since you gave your life to Jesus, or maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, as I pray this prayer, would you just say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. Maybe you've given your life... To to Jesus when you're a kid, but maybe as I pray this prayer right now, you just say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. So Lord, we come before you. And we just say, we surrender to you, God. In small things and in big things, that we would surrender our life to you. In faith, God, that we trust you as the deliverer that your ways are greater than our ways. And Lord, it's your ways that we desire. Please forgive us and receive us. And we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Hey, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends. If you find this tool valuable and would like to support this ministry, you can do so easily through our DTV app or on our website, dtvchurch.org forward slash give. God bless you and have a great rest of your week.